Welcome to another episode of Sequel Pitch. This week coming to you live from the fucking Catalina Wine Mixer. I'm your host Andy Henry and joining me this week as always are my stepbrothers. The man who has rubbed his testicles on more drum kits than I can count, Ross Harmston. Oh yeah, and they're <laughs> very, very salty. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. I eat either the number of drum kits or the saltiness of your balls. <laughs> The man who has broken out of prison from planet bullshit to be here, it's Drew Toynbee. Ah, thank you very much. Hello there. And finally, a man who has a luscious V of hair going from his chest pubes down to his ball throw, it's Matt Rushton. (laughs) That is factually (laughs) correct. You can tie your hair maybe to it. (laughs) Rumble all the way down. I actually actually braid it most of the time. (laughs) For a nice Viking plait all the way down. (laughs) Oh, good lord. So this week, our pictures will be sequelizing the 2008 Will Ferrell and John C. Riley comedy Step Brothers, directed by Adam McKay. This is considered a classic comedy to some, but in case you haven't, or in case it's been a while since you've seen it, let me refresh your memory with the thanks to our handy-dandy synopsis. So when Robert, played by Richard Jenkins, and Nancy, played by Mary Steinbergen, meet and fall in love, they move into a new home with their two 40-year-old man-child sons, Dale, played by John C. Riley, and Brennan, played by Will Ferrell. Uh, the new brothers have an instant hatred for one another, and after a big confrontation, the pair are grounded with no television and told they must find jobs within a month or they will be evicted from the house. We meet Brennan's younger and more successful brother Derek, played by Adam Scott, a helicopter leasing agent who mocks Dale and Brennan for being immature, leading Dale to, uh, to punch Derek in the face. This causes Derek's downtrodden wife Alice, played by Catherine Hahn, to become aggressively attracted to Dale, and they start an affair. The two brothers start a bond and become instant best friends. Brendan reveals to, to Dale that he has an angelic voice. Uh, Robert schedules several job interviews for Brendan and Dale, and as you can guess, they mess up each one. They return home to find out Derek has convinced Robert to sell the house so he and Nancy can retire and sail around the world. Robert tells the brothers to attend therapy, and we see Brennan become uh, attached to his therapist, Denise. Dale and Brennan decide to start an entertainment company called Prestige Worldwide, and at Derek's birthday party, they show a video presentation, including the music video Boats and Hose, which they film on Robert's boat and end up crashing, destroying Robert and Nancy's retirement plans. Robert spanks Brennan because he is a bad boy. When Robert and Nancy announce their relationship is over and they're getting divorced, Brennan and Dale fight, blaming each other and decide to go their separate ways. Brennan gives in and asks for Derek's help at his helicopter firm, and Dale works for a catering company. Weeks later, Brennan Brennan and Dale appear to be living as functioning adults. Wanting to reunite the family, Brennan uh, volunteers to oversee the Catalina Wine Mixer, a prestigious event for Derek's company, and invites Robert and Nancy to attend. He also hires Dale's catering company. At the mixer, the singer of the band Brendan Hired loses his temper and is kicked out of the event, causing Derek to fire Brennan, uh, Brennan, blaming him for the screw-up. Uh, when all is lost, Robert encourages Brennan and Dale to return to their, child, their wild child-at-heart selves and perform the classic opera Porte Volaire. Do- uh, Derek is so moved by the performance that he and Brennan make amends and Dale ends his relationship with Alice, who doesn't take it well. Six months later, Robert and Nancy are back together and we see Brennan and Dale have turned Prestige Worldwide into a success- successful entertainment company hosting co- uh, co- I was gonna say cocaine events. Karaoke events, and uh, Denise, Brendan's therapist, finally, I guess, confesses her attraction to Brendan. So, lads, did any of us consider this a classic comedy when it came out, and do we still consider it a classic now? Um, It's interesting that you say that, Mm. because I remember when this came out. Like, so, Anchorman, 2004. I was 15 or 16, and Anchorman was the 
height of all comedy that had ever existed and continued to be for me for the following probably 10 years. Like, Anchorman was the funniest thing ever. To the extent that when this came out, I think I convinced myself that there was no way that it could be as good. And because I remember not being fussed about this film. But then, maybe like starting 2015-ish, when I would revisit it with friends, I think it's, it, it because it is ever so slightly more grounded than Anchorman, I think it endures better, frankly. I think I laugh more re-watching this than I, now than I do Anchorman. Oh, interesting. Wow. I've I've never seen it. I've never seen it until really? literally. Yeah, wow. yeah. Really I've seen cl- I've seen clips of it and and moments of the film, mm. but I ne- I'm a bit like Drew. Like this must have when I when I was that age. Um, that was but, our first year of uni. Yeah, yeah I, it must have just passed me by, and I never ever watched it until you. I've all. It's always been on my list to watch. It's always one of those films where I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll watch it, yeah, and you never do. Um, so I'm kind of glad that I did. Um, and it and it is it is a classic comedy buddy movie, isn't it? Like them, the the two working together. The thing is with Will Ferrell, he he's he's just He's just great. He's gold like, dust, you know. comic gold dust. Isn't he? Mm. Yeah, yeah. He could just shout anything, and it would just be funny. <laughs> it's just the way he shouts, and just the way he is. Yeah, just like I'm just thinking about it now. It's just yeah, he's really good. It's an underrated comedy movie, but mm. it's. I think it's a cult comedy movie. I think because I think a lot of people like this movie, and they want to see a sequel. Uh, funnily enough, like mm. I'm looking on the thing, like mm. looking on the internet. Um, what did have you seen it, Matt? Before uh, I have seen it. Yeah, I must admit, I like for me, Will Ferrell is probably up there with my favorite comic actor. You know, mm. I'm, I'm a big oh, believer yeah. that everything Will Ferrell's in is brilliant, and it's going to be hard pressed to make me think otherwise. Even things like Holmes and Watson, you know, I'll even forgive that because I do chuckle at that. <laughs> um, have you seen that? Yet? Yes, I've seen it. Um, but yeah, so for me, I, I have seen this and uh, my partner and I have watched this film a couple of times. You know, it's in our comedy DVD collection. So um, yeah, yeah I, I got a, I've got a big uh, soft spot for this film. And, you know, Will Fowler and John C. Riley have done some great films together, you know, looking at yeah. Talladega Nights and stuff, that whole sequence of comedy, silly comedy that they have done together but it just works and i think there is a timeless vibe to it. answering your question andy is it a classic comedy i think you know it it may be overseen by a lot of people but for those that have watched it i would say they would label it as a classic comedy film yeah i think it's a classic will ferrell comedy i think if, you, if you're not really a fan of his you're not gonna like this but then again most of his films i guess yeah um, i think yeah that's fair it is a, a people- it's it's a very particular brand of comedy. Mm-hmm. It's it, it is emblematic of that kind of two mm. thousands, the year two thousand to twenty ten. After we, after we as a society managed to get past the parody movies, yeah, this it feels like what came next. And it was, yeah, it's kind of passed on a bit now. I can't think of the last comedy, just like. It's like screwball comedy. It's just 
absurdism. It's like a Dumb and Dumber remake, if anything, really. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's that level of just man children. It, it is absurd. Yeah. It's not as like funny the, though now. If they're the films that we're looking oh, at, I then say, I don't I... find it. I don't find the new Dumb and Dumber film funny. I'm not excited oh, no. about no. any new Bill and Ted movie. No. No. I mean, apparently Bill and Ted Three was good fun. It was. But yeah. It, I like this movie because I like it that it doesn't. As weird as it sounds, I don't know, like because they're man childs. Like I like mm. that they're. They don't. They don't like focus on it being maybe they've got learning difficulties or anything like that. They're, that's they're just not. Immature. They're just yeah. immature. Yeah. Uh, for you, and I really like that. And yeah. I that I think that's why it gives it a timeless mm. vibe in in that sense because it's not. It's a bit different to, you know, other comedies that have the dated like insult like calling someone the f word um yeah, yeah. or you know whatever um, Are there any scenes that stood out like this i guess the sleepwalking scene is a very i uh, could say silly scene that's yes. my role now. one of my yeah. one of my favorite <laughs> one of my favorite small little scenes I don't know why. It's when he hugs his brother for the yeah. first time. Oh, at the end. Yeah. And then, yeah, and he goes to choke him. At, like, and, yeah. like, and there's so much aggression there. And it's so good because like, they they hate each other. I just love that. Like The physical comedy in it is so good. Yeah, mm. yeah Adam um, Scott going, I, 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 I don't want to punch you in the face quite as much. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah just very good. Very good movie. Mm-hmm. What about Ad- the other... Adam's- yeah, go on, Drew. Adam Scott's mate in the helicopter company, he just keeps going, pow! I, I, say, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't remember his name. Are you saying pow? Are you saying pow? Yeah. Saying pow? He, he will, if you get this, if you fuck this up, he will eat your dick <laughs> like Kobayashi. He's going to do it. It's yeah, just it's, so uh, crazy. It's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. It, is, it could definitely yeah. be quite a quotable movie. And I, I'm sure there's one of the scenes is popular on TikTok at the moment. I'm sure I've heard one. Uh, is it one of the bedroom scenes? The first time when they're sleeping next to each other and he's like, I hate you. Don't go oh, to yeah, sleep I'm because gonna... I will punch you in the face. <laughs> like, I don't know why that scene is really quotable <laughs> yeah. in my head at the moment. So it must be somewhere mm. in the internet. Um, yeah, well, it's just, yeah, it's it is. Uh, I would I would say for me, it is now pretty much as quotable as Anchorman. Yeah, like just did we just become best friends? <laughs> yeah, yup. And yeah. So we'll have so much more room Anchorman's, for activities. Anchorman's got more, but it's definitely yeah. as Anchorman's I, got more lines. I think you can quote, but yeah, I can see where you're coming from. It's yeah. What and, about but, the um, other players that are in hand? Uh, we got we talk about Adam Scott. My my VIP has got to be Catherine Hahn for. For the movie, that, oh god, yeah, that yeah. vagina monologue she has, which you know, talk about Pindell up in her <laughs> vagina, and then like yeah. the sex in the bathroom, like two thirds of the way through. I, I wish they, I forgot they didn't end up together, and I wish they kind of did. It's almost weird that they didn't. Is that just me? Perhaps like, I it's thought she opened up dumped... for a sequel. Maybe let's see if Maybe. Someone, <laughs> someone comments on that. Um, I Adam Scott from I, I, Adam Scott's character is brilliant in this, and he plays it very funny. And singing the yeah. the scene with the family <laughs> singing in the car is like oh, so cliche. Oh my yeah. god, <laughs> ridiculous! Like I was, I sat there like I, I thoroughly enjoy this, but I'm like, also thoroughly yeah. cringing at this. It's brilliant. Yeah. Like how how can they possibly make one family just <laughs> yeah. as hateful as possible, as hateable as they could? 
possibly be in 20 seconds mm. and they achieve it instantly yeah. it's so good <laughs> it's like richard jenkins dinosaur speech when he's kind of getting dale and brennan together when he's like oh i wanted to be when i was a kid was a dinosaur and then goes off and does a whole monologue about it i thought it was very funny I, I, I yeah. read that he, he got embarrassed and he wanted, the, he wanted that out of the film. I can see why, but I laughed. I thought, really? really? I find yeah, his he, giggling he just, worse I, I think than his Mc... monologue. I think really? like his childish giggle <laughs> oh, that he like... kept doing. And she was like, I've never heard you laugh like that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I th- and I, th- I think Mary Steenberger as well. Mm. Like the, the only things that I know her from mm. are this and Back to the Future Part 3. Yeah. yeah. Um, as Clara. And like... And just the scene after they after they get in the fight on the front lawn and they knock each other out and she just stands there holding a fire hose and just goes, what the yeah. fucking fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so good. It's really good. And the good. fight with the kids as well. Like, the, the fight <laughs> yeah, with the little kids. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the post-credit scene. <laughs> yeah, where and I love that when you watch it, like it's so. And anyone who actually interacts in the fight is clearly just a grown-up, yeah. and they've barely even bothered to dress them up. But they just <laughs> they just do the cut quick enough, yeah, so that the person falling over it kind of doesn't register. But as soon as you look for it, it's like, oh yeah, they're just punching grown-ups. It's so <laughs> yeah. blatantly stage combat GC like university training. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. you can see where they're completely power punching. Every oh, time, yeah. and the, yeah, <laughs> the gaps yeah. between it, just to make sure that no one goes, oh, they punch kids. It's like, no, no, they're, they're even showing you <laughs> how they didn't punch the kids at the bit on the buddies. <laughs> Round, what is it? The merry round thing, and he's just oh, yeah. like, he's nowhere he's near them. <laughs> just like, I thoroughly enjoyed that they sold you the entertainment factor. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and the Catalina fucking wine oh, mixer. Catalina fucking wine mixer. Which this movie willed into existence. Yeah. That wasn't a thing. Yeah. And then after this movie, a company on Catalina Island started the Catalina <laughs> wine mixer, which is... I'd love to go one day. One day to one the day, Catalina maybe. wine mixer. And that, that final scene where everyone is having transcendent moments listening yeah. to them yeah. sing. And again, like, Catherine Hung's like weird sexual fantasy of... Uh, John C. Riley as, as a centaur. Centaur, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking, speaking fake Elvish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's got a lot of good bits. And one. Will Ferrell is the as the lumberjack yeah. in his therapist <laughs> one. Where he just, I have travelled six hundred miles to give you my scene. Yeah. Calling <gasps> his name, he just shouts lumberjack. <laughs> like, yeah, that was a that was a strange romance between him and his therapist, but um. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, again, mostly as that but, comes into a. a I, don't, I don't think I wouldn't blame to... you. I wouldn't blame you if you did. So. I don't know if we could dive too deep into the real, the romantic uh, narratives in this movie. <laughs> it probably yeah. saves you a lot of head scratching if you don't. A <laughs> um, couple more scenes I got down here. The bunk bed scene, obviously, very classic, very funny scene. Yeah. Um, when they try and bury each other, I thought it was very funny. Just, just silly like he's even like John C. Rye's like why are you burying me and he's just like shh it'll be over soon and stuff Just and then they fall asleep in the front yard um, yeah uh, any, any final thoughts or any other scenes that stood out before our, our scores no I think it's, it's a very, very classic it's a very classic yeah, for me it's a very classic Will Ferrell film and a, and a comedy movie I'm glad that I watched it now um the, um, I think 
it's got a lot of quotable, like Drew said, it's got a lot of quotable lines. I think once you see it, you know you will realise that it is a classic uh, movie. And for me, it's very, very good. I, don't, I can't think of any other scenes at the moment. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I'll second that. It's it's peak Will Fowl. Like I say, if you're not a fan of Will Fowl, you might not like this film. For me, I think it's great and I love this film. Um, again, it's 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 funny things like Anchorman and you know Thor Ragnarok to this extent as well. Often, the most quotable comedy movies are the ones that you can tell are just improvised. Like the line, the bits mm. where they are lying in the oh, bed, yeah. like you can almost feel the energy on camera where you know full well Will Ferrell's just like this is the 20th take saying something different about what he's going to do to him. Yeah. The bit where he was, yeah. and I noticed it, it's the classic, if you've seen the outtakes of Will Ferrell, he always pauses when he's about to laugh. And I feel like there was a bit where he was like, <laughs> I'm going to get my pillow and fill it full of soap and beat you with it like you can can just hear the bit where he's about to piss himself laughing and like those are the I think that's why I enjoy it because you feel like they just have such a good time on set like there's probably no stress I hope there's no trivia saying that this was a horrible filming set because it feels like it was hilarious yeah it's that's I, I feel like that's a very astute point Matt I it's it does definitely bring a particular energy to it. Like you can, I don't know if it's knowing, I don't know if it's something that maybe we appreciate slightly more because we've had to be on stage saying funny things and trying not to laugh. Mm -hmm. But just those fractions of a second when you spot someone's like lip twitch (laughs) and you know they're holding in a laugh. Like that, it, it just... It, it adds so so much it's it's what a wonderfully absurd film and really fun and i still love the the final line of the film before the post credit scenes just being will ferrell like doing a little complaint about his chewbacca mask because john c Riley's <laughs> is movie quality and his isn't just from beginning <laughs> to end it's it it's interesting one uh, one quote that i saw from, was from um roger ebert and he rate, he rated it quite low and said when did comedies get so mean but i i feel like this is actually a really generous spirited film it's really silly but i for me it feels really warm and mm. and the fact that these two complete oddball guys who go to interviews dressed in tuxedos <laughs> and and mess them up by farting like it it's just yeah, yeah i i think it's a a really really good little movie i'm really glad that it came up that that comment's an interesting one isn't it because there is a lot of like you know there's a lot of people who put these guys down throughout the movie and what have you even like you know the kids in the playground and but I think that that's almost like not the funny bit. Like I I didn't find myself ever really laughing at the stuff that was aggressive and could be deemed mean. Like that stuff, like especially even things like the white dog shit stuff. I was just like, oh, like I'm not even finding this funny. This is just a bit like, oh god, this is uncomfortable. But I think the humor comes from, as you say, the warmth of C- John C. Riley and Will Ferrell performing together and. 
you know, or the supporting actors when they do have the moments that put them up. It's the moments that lift mm. Brennan and Dale that are the funny moments. And I think that's where, you know, he perhaps missed the mark there in what he was watching. Not that I know his mind or his opinions, <laughs> but I would I would beg th- to differ that I don't think the humour of this movie comes from people putting them down. The humour comes from those characters and the journey that they go on. Yeah, and and just absurdism. Oh yes, and yeah, I think like yeah. once you improvise a line that is met, like you know, it become it becomes absurd because you're like, how the fuck did that guy think of that line? <laughs> it's like I'm gonna beat you with, I'm gonna fill a sack full of soap, and I'm gonna beat you with it. Like yes, it's an aggressive <laughs> thing, but it's like so random that you wouldn't think. Like that's why for me it was funny because mm. you're just you're like more the absurdity. Yeah, it's, the it's well, like I stabbed a man in the it's... heart with a trident. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. Probably, like it's that's it's those improvised lines that are really funny. Yeah. And and because also like yes, okay, Will Ferrell does begin to bury John C. Riley in the yard when he thinks he's killed him. But the, it's also it's empty threats. It's like they are like children yeah. bickering, mm. and it, it it I I think they carry that innocent energy really really well. Yeah, cause then let's go from the top. Matt, with you, uh, what are you um, on? I'm going to give this a solid four point two five. Whoa, testicles on a drum kit. <laughs> <laughs> Someone had to claim it. Yeah. I don't know who's the 0.25 testicle is, though. I'm not claiming that. Yours, yours, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it 4.25. Ye- uh, I'm Dale, but you can call me Dragon out of fives. Uh, um, yeah. Andrew? You know, I hadn't, I hadn't really, I hadn't actually thought about the score before we got to this point but 4.25 feels like the right score so um 4.25 time machines full of porno mags from the 70s 80s and 90s (laughs) in your boat treehouse um yeah for me anchorman still probably one of the funniest will ferrell movies for me i think this is just under i think anchorman i'd probably give like a four and a half for me this is going to be four um, random. Another note I've got out. So four random blind uh, blind dog. Or oh, oh, let me do that again. So four. No, oh, no I can't remember now. Yeah, four random blind dog encounters. Do you remember cinnamon? Assistance dogs. Uh, was it assistant? Yeah, like this uh, cinnamon the dog at the start, where like the actor's trying to like take him off like stage left, but the dog's got different ideas and just kind of takes him in circles. Whoa, cinnamon. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, like, cinnamon. Hey, you see, like, Will Fowler reacts, and then goes back, and he's just like, Cinnamon! Cinnamon! Damn it! Made me <laughs> laugh, because I completely forgot about that bit. So, um, but anyway, four. Four for me, because just to be different. Ooh, okay. cool. Mean. What does that mean? Scores then. Mm. Um, it comes out at 4.19 out of five. Uh, a strong recommendation. Uh, coming in tied with A Star Is Born, and behind... Uh, well, behind a few at this point, but just behind Moana and just ahead of Game Night and Willy Wonka. So ahead of Game Night. Ahead of Game Night. Mm. Yeah, I would, I would... Would you rather watch this or Game Night then? Two, they're two different movies to compare, I'd say. Yeah. I think this 
this has the power of nostalgia. Yeah. yeah. Right, boys, enough of all that lovely chat. Let's get to the fights, as it's time to get your sequels pitched. Let's go. This week, our first picture will be... <coughs> Ross Harmson, please. When you're ready. Your title and one-liner. Hello. Um, my uh, film is called Step Brothers uh, Vacation. My uh, one-liner, which I for- totally forgot to do, is... Uh, Brennan and Dale um, go on a vacation uh, and meet two unsuspecting people on this vacation. The film opens and we see Brennan and Dale in their morning routine. We see they're living with each other, making nachos, playing games, and then they get in the most ridiculously looking uh, car. They head to the offices of Karaoke and Roll, or whatever the media company was called. I can't remember. What was it called again? Prestige Worldwide. That's it. Prestige Worldwide, we'll call it. Um, (laughs) Now a multi-million dollar company. The offices are much like Facebook's kooky shit all around. Um, They come in and they're told the team are underachieving uh, for the day. So they have to do a big speech to big them up. And they do this by singing Ave Maria. Uh, like the end of the first one, well, uh, with Dale singing Boats and Hose in the background. People start crying and everything. Um, and then they start doing much better. Um, uh, <laughs> Does this man have pow- so powerful like voice? Sorry, yeah, that's going. their only management strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they start, you know... Anyway, cut to... Uh, um, Their mum visits the office and tells them that they should all go on a family vacation to Canada with Derek and Mr. Doback, and they agree. Anyway, cut to a funny travelling montage in which the boys play pranks on Derek by by gluing his eyes shut. They laugh. Other other stuff can happen along the way as well. Maybe they, uh, they start sleepwalking on the plane and almost open the door to the cabin uh, mid-flight. Um, they go, uh, they get to Canada. Um, they go to Canada. I didn't say that whether they were actually go. Oh no, I did. I think um, did. Yes. Yeah, uh, they get to Canada and the mum tells them that they are going to meet up with two of their friends who also have stepkids. Uh, we are introduced to Mr. and Mrs. Smith, played by Whoopi Goldberg and Morgan Freeman, and their two <laughs> stepkids, Kevin Hart and The Rock. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, my God. God. No. Oh. Ross is one already. How, how is this point out, I didn't bring him up this week. <laughs> uh... <laughs> The next portion of the film is hilarious scenes that take uh, its time uh, padding out The Rock and Kevin Hart's character because we don't want to just throw them in. And the growing hatred of the two stepbrothers that um, they have for these two because they're much better at the boys that are everything. This could be through awkward family meals, physical activities that the parents have booked, etc. Dale and Brennan decide to get them uh, get back at them by putting peanut butter and smearing it all in The Rock and Kevin Hart's tent. Then a bear comes and Kevin gets seriously hurt on his crotch or something. I don't know. Uh, the parents all sit down and say they have to get along, so they tell them that they have to go for a walk together. When they do, they come across a group of teenagers that have been... Uh, 
have set up a camp nearby, uh, but the guys get bullied by them, making them eat bear shit or something. They run off crying. Uh, meanwhile, another story point is that uh, there is uh, that Brennan and Dale also meet two women who are also uh, really get on with them, and as a nerdy and weird as them, maybe a little love interest uh, story point as well. Brennan and Dale plan on a family hike in which they will lose the Rock and Kevin Hart, but end up getting lost with them. They have to survive out in the wilderness. Insert some funny scenes. Maybe the rock punching a bear or deer or something. Maybe Brennan eating some weird mushrooms and going on a massive weird trip. Anyway, after some bonding, they learn that they also can be friends and work together. The parents eventually find them and turns out they've only been gone for an hour. But the boys have stripped all their clothes off and become one with nature. The last scene is them leaving. <laughs> the last scene uh, before they leave is them beating the shit out of the teenagers. Uh, they go back to the airport, do their goodbyes. Uh, both, but both uh, the Rock and Kevin are arrested. Dale looks confused. Brennan says he gave the police an anonymous tip that the Rock had drugs on him. Cue a hilarious laughing end scene. End of the movie. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, right then. So my question to you and I guess to the others. What's the story you're trying to tell and where's the comedy coming from? Uh, I am trying to... My story I'm trying to tell is uh, that, you know... We all have differences. Um, everyone is different in the world. And the boys haven't ever really uh, seen that. You know, they, they, they kind of gathered it with each other. But I feel that I think it would be funny to throw two other stepbrothers who are so close to each other um, at them and see how weird it is for them. And, th and the physicalness of The Rock and the funniness of um, Kevin Hart will be quite funny as these two, you know, they're they're not exactly God's gift, are they? So it'd be quite funny to um, do that. And what was your other question? Is that it? Where's the comedy coming from? I mean, oh, so I think scenes. So I think the comedy will come from, you know, The Rock being The Rock and Kevin Hart. I, I want it to be very much an improvised script with the same sort of stuff as. Um, as they had in the first movie with Will Ferrell, you know, coming in with one-liners going to The Rock. You know, you look like a big, stupid marshmallow. And then, but The, the Rock and Kevin Hart are kind of the serious guys. But, um, and they're, the, they're sort of idolized by the parents. Um, so, yeah, I think that way, I think that would be, yeah, that's what I'll focus on. So, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> very nice thank you very much lovely thank you very much let's go for our next picture please Mr Drew Toynbee hello there your title and one liner when you're ready um, so mine is Step Brothers 2 back to Catalina um, my one liner is Dale and Brennan return to Catalina with their families to host their biggest ever prestige worldwide event. But when an old enemy returns for revenge, the stepbrothers are dragged back into the life of madness they once lived. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, the movie opens, the first 20 minutes are setting up where the characters are now. Dale and Brennan have their successful karaoke business. It's now a global brand. They both have young kids. Brennan has two kids with Denise, um, Dale and his wife Barb, I'm seeing Kristen Wiig, because she seems like a good fit, have one kid between them. Dale and Brennan are both still kind of childish, but well-intentioned, um, but their enthusiasm has carried them forward in the business world, um, along with some kind of long-suffering employees who work hard to kind of steer them onto the right track. Um, I'd like someone... I'm seeing Zendaya, because... She's so deadpan and so, so good at being deadpan, particularly. I'm thinking the energy from the new Spider-Man movies, but being on their like graduate excellence in management program. And so she's the straight man, as it were, to all of their antics and the audience surrogate learning about the business and like just being like, what is going on? Um, so the inciting incident of the movie is that Prestige Worldwide Presents, which is their X Factor style karaoke competition. It's been growing in popularity over the last like 13 years. Um, and it's all sort of being televised. It's a really big year. It's the biggest year yet. Um, and it's the semi-finals and a red-headed guy has got through the semi-finals in Florida. And he gives the guys a thank you gift, which is some white chocolate truffles. But it's actually white dog poo. The ginger kid is the ginger <laughs> kid who was best friends with Chris Gardocki, <laughs> the kid who made them lick dog shit in the first movie. Chris pops up. He's videoed the whole thing on his phone and he threatens to release the footage if they don't pull strings so that his friend Gary, we're calling him Gary because in the original he is just called Redheaded Kid. But he is actually a singer in real life, I've discovered, which is kind of cool. Um he wants Gary to win the competition at the final the following week on Catalina at the casino and they'll extort them for extra prizes as well. Um, and so Dale and Brennan, having been kind of semi-functioning adults, instantly regress to being their absolute worst selves and have they have a screaming meltdown at each other. They're doing the I'm gonna be sick thing and just like screaming and crying. And then they come together and they start scheming of how they can get the phone back and access the cloud on Chris's phone and delete the video. Um, so the movie takes place on the road trip from Florida to LA, um, where the, oh, well, it's, it's Santa Barbara, not LA, where the, where the final is going to be taking place. And they're doing televised live shows at theatres across the country. Dale and Brennan are judges on the panel, but they're also producers. So they're trying to sort of run the show, but they're, you have lots of scenes of them trying to kind of take down Chris and the ginger kid. Um, lots of them being over the top friendly and trying to trick them and just being outsmarted um, and having random celebrity cameos and that kind of thing just happening and again a, a large part of my drive of this movie is let the funny people be funny I've just got the the outline and they can deal with the funny lines um, all of their families and friends their employees start to notice that Dale and Brennan uh, getting weird and they're trying to stop them they try and say like look guys you're mi you, you're like millionaires you can deal with this like adults you can hire a lawyer you can you can get the police involved because he's blackmailing you um and they kind of pretend to listen but they end up getting really drunk dress up as ninjas and break into chris and gary's room in the middle of the night of course getting caught they get caught on film again so they have more evidence and everything is just mounting up. Their team and family are furious at them for not listening. They have a huge, a huge fight. They blame each other. 
it's the 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 low point of the movie for them they storm off and they call their respective step parents so dale calls um brennan's mum and brennan calls dale's dad um kind of to show that that relationship has continued and grown and they have matured in some ways and they counsel them to come back together and embrace what makes them special and they'll work it out again um so on the night of the final it's held on catalina island in the casino ballroom um and the competition gets going and it comes down to gary and one contestant and gary is actually like super really really good and clearly better um and so dale and brennan sort of confer for a second they get up on stage they announce him as the winner and they give a speech about how gary is a shining example of someone who can step out of the shadow of a bully and take their own place in the world just like they had to do um and you see gary sort of take that message on board um but then of course chris leaves the theater uploads the videos there's a huge pr explosion everything's going to hell it looks really bad but then people led by gary who is now like famous with a record deal um, inspired by their story of rising up above bullying, start uploading videos to social media of themselves dressed as ninjas and eating dog shit as a kind of <laughs> I'm Spartacus solidarity movement because I want the absurdity of the first film to come through. So it ends on a completely mad note of after a big montage of lots of celebrities eating dog shit on camera to show solidarity with bullied kids, um, Dale and Brennan get the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Biden for services to anti-bullying and that's the end of the movie nice nice very good very good um yes same question what's your what's the story you're trying to tell and where's the comedy comedy coming from uh so i kind of i wanted it to be that they kind of slipped backwards because it, it they they both showed that they were capable of living as adults even though like the end of the movie they show they're capable of existing as adults and then they go and beat up a load of children and don't realize it's wrong and so you can take it either way and it will make sense um and i just thought i just went down the hole of okay what would they be doing it the movie says that their business is a success so how can you grow off of that and i just wanted to put them in another ridiculous situation and it made sense to bring the kids who made them lick dog shit back because it was funny and they would make a fitting antagonist who would have a reason to go after them um and the the idea of millions of people across america and perhaps the world eating dog shit dressed as ninjas in a move of solidarity that is played on screen as a big like overwhelmingly emotional uplifting moment but it's like Emily Blunt and John Krasinski eating dog shit on camera, <laughs> trying to smile because they're doing it for the kids. Like, I just thought that would be quite funny. As far as the where the comedy's coming from, it's it is basically all just Will Ferrell and John C. Riley improvising. Like they I've hopefully put them in enough situations where they can improvise and bring what they do best like that's why they have the regression that's why they that's why it's very specific that this moment that happens when they realize they've been tricked by chris gardocki like sends them back and at that point they can just go mad brilliant thank you very much lastly mr luscious v chester himself 
Matt Rushton, your title and uh, one line. Yeah, so my title is Step Brothers Prestige Worldwide. Uh, basically, Brennan and Dale are the only hope for Derek in the helicopter leasing business who need a hell of a lot of money and they only have one shot at investment. Okay. We open with Derek being appointed CEO of the helicopter leasing company after the previous owner retires. There's a huge party to celebrate, probably back at Catalina. Uh, it's a really boozy affair. And then all of a sudden, we see a helicopter crash into an orphanage. Uh, thankfully, the orphanage <laughs> is being renovated, so there are no kids in there. But it still doesn't exactly look great from a PR point of view. Um there's a big investigation and they discover a load of dodgy things about this company, some loopholes, they're purchasing the legal files, uh, some dodgy helicopters that aren't fit to fly, all that stuff. Uh, and it all comes to light, so Derek basically tells the family over Thanksgiving dinner what's happening and that he didn't have any clue about any of this and that he's basically fucked. Um so yeah, we see all the familiar faces uh, and Derek's surprise third child that is a curly-haired kid named Tucker. Um, so <laughs> basically, uh, the dad can't help. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave that in there. Thank you very much. Uh, I only bring the pitch, but I might even write the script for this one. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, the, the dad can't help. Uh, he's invested all the money into Dale and Prestige Worldwide. However, Brennan and Dale say they'll help raise the money with their newest business plan, which is called Carry On Key, which is a karaoke machine for people that can't sing, or like a microphone for people that can't sing and it auto-tunes them. Um, so we then are treated to another one of their amazing presentations and music video trailer things, uh, and they do it over dinner, uh, where, yeah, we see a really funny video, really low-budget um, and it's basically the advert for the product is looks like it's just a load of celebrities. And they're like, so-and-so uses this, so-and-so uses it. Michael Bublé uses carry-on key. And they're like, no, 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 you can't do that. That's false advertising. And they're like, no, 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 they do. They all use carry-on key. These are all people that use it. Um, so lo and behold, they put the advert out and there's a huge backlash with PR, legal representatives, everyone threatening action and it really upsets them. And they're like, these are our friends. Why are they lying? They use our product. Um, so there's a load of like, like tough love and heartfelt moments with the step parents and another awkward brotherly scene with uh, Brennan and Derek and Derek's like, oh, I'm losing everything. I'm losing the business. I've got my child, Toku, doesn't understand me and I just don't know how to be his father for some reason. And then you just got Will Ferrell basically be like, no, 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 he's your child. You look identical. Uh, like for the audience <laughs> though, it's so fucking obvious this is Dale's child. Um, anyway, it, it looks like this new product's not going to sell and uh, like all the classic kind of like silly business mentality prestige worldwide has spent all their money on the product and the advert so they're not going to be able to afford their legal fees they're not going to be able to support Derek. everyone's pretty low you know this is where uh it's not looking great for them and it looks like things are about to get even fucking worse when michael buble turns up with his legal team and they're about they're trying to discuss a settlement outside of court because he doesn't want another court battle it could probably be like some quippy one-liner about why michael buble had a recent court battle um 
I'll let the writers pick why, though. I won't even try and make that up off the top of my head. But uh, he basically says that, like, look, it's karaoke is amazing, but you've got to understand that I'm I'm a singer, and me admitting that I use this product isn't going to help. Um, blah blah blah. So it's really tough again. Brennan and Dale feel really bad. They fuck things up. Um, but it's then he explains that you know, like uh, Brennan and Dale have a big monologue about how you know, you've got to, we've got to embrace ourselves. We learn to embrace ourselves. You've got to learn to embrace yourself. Um, And in the end, they get through to Michael Buble. So he not only tells his legal team to rescind all charges, he agrees to help them promote the product properly this time in order to help out the family. Um, So that's been like a big chunk of the movie by now, obviously. The end of the movie sees Christmas again, and karaoke is everywhere. <coughs> we see Brennan and Dale in New York City. I'm picturing them in like Times Square or one of the big toy shops, and they're unveiling the launch. And Bublé's there, and he sings a Christmas song because it's Bublé, and he promotes the product. And then we see the advert on the big billboards and all the big screens. And it's all the singers from earlier in the movie in the advert that are all there endorsing the product too. And it's a huge success. And they all have like a load of funny one-liners about how Carry On Key saved their life for whatever reason. And then basically the movie ends with Dale lifting up Tucker and Alice hugging Dale. And there's like a dramatic zoom into Derek's face as the pin drops. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Very good. What's the story you're trying to tell and where's the comedy, uh, comedy coming from? Uh, I think the story I'm trying to tell is that the family is continuing to build. Um, I wanted to make it more about, you know, they're being a brother to Derek. So there's a like, there's plenty of room for Dale and Derek's relationship to grow in this movie, um, which is why the, the whole finding out about Dale lifting Tucker at the end is really, really like funny because they've had a load of time to build their relationship. So it's a continuation of the first Step Brothers movie in that the relationships are continuing to build uh, and people are continuing to improve their lives. Um, that's that bit. And where's the comedy coming from? I think in a similar vein to uh, Drew, I guess, um, it's the whole Brennan and Dale still not realising what they're doing is wrong and that they're following, they're absolutely driven by their heart and not by any kind of business head. So they they fuck things up and they do things wrong continuously, but with the right intentions, and that's where the comedy's going to come from. And someone like Michael Bublé, who makes a fool of himself quite a lot in the movie. Um, you know, we always like to see a celebrity cameo, a celebrity throw himself into a comedy movie like this. Brilliant stuff. Thank you very much. Right, three very good pictures. Three very funny and very interesting stories. So now's your time to convince me why your pitch is the best, why the others suck. Let them have them, guys. Fight, fight, fight! <clears throat> um, <laughs> Alright, no. okay, okay. Well, no, right, I think it's it's a hard one for me on this because, like, it is these characters are and the world that they inhabit are just so absurd like plot holes or character inconsistencies don't matter it doesn't matter if mad stuff happens and it doesn't seem to make that much (laughs) sense so 
I'm not going to. I I don't think I can really put too much effort into tearing down the others necessarily. All I'll say about mine is that I feel like it takes of all three of our pitches. I feel like mine takes the most inspiration from the first, and it feels the most like a follow-on of the previous movie, and. I think that that's what will get people in. I disagree. Um, I actually feel like... Oh, well, of course mine, you do. <laughs> I feel like mine's the most natural progression because what <laughs> Drew and Ross have both done is made them really successful prestige worldwide entrepreneurs um, where actually I keep mine quite grounded where they're having a bit of success but they're still in the ideas phase. They haven't made their mega books yet. They don't achieve that till the end of the second movie for mine. Where these guys have just been like, oh, it's been 10 but, years and they've got teams that'll just make yeah, them a load has. of money. And yay, good what, for you them. Think that their business, their business, a business being run by these two, like, liability moron men would have lasted 13 years without become without it being well, successful. Well, I I've, the way yeah. I've got it yeah, is that true. daddy's funding them the whole time. Like, you know, they he's he can't help um Derek, his other stepson, because he is just putting all his money into keeping these two afloat. It's like the point is the business isn't doing well in my movie. It's just like But at the end of the first one it is. They're like, yeah, well, it's going yeah, but, really well. We're everywhere. Yeah, they say yeah. that they're in three restaurants and two hotels. Like they're not everywhere at all. Like there's a lie. Yeah, it's like- <laughs> and it's probably who knows, that's probably like the premier in equivalent in the UK and the <laughs> the local Weatherspoons pubs, you know, like it doesn't have to be that they're in these fine establishments. <laughs> um that's fair. But no, like I would, I would just say that again. I like all three pitches, um, but I do feel that mine keeps these guys a lot more grounded. And yeah, I don't know about bringing Ginger Kid back for X Factor styling. Um, I, I would wonder where that premise of uh, Prestige Worldwide Presents came from. Um, I would like to know more about that story. Uh, before I can fully believe that they came up with a TV show like that. I mean, they ripped off X Factor because that's what I did. Uh. (laughs) Are they clever enough to rip off X Factor? That seems like malicious business intent from their part. Um, And I don't need to bring The Rock and Kevin Hart into my movie for a vacation (laughs) because otherwise the vacation just wouldn't be funny enough. Is the vibe I'm that is, that is a point. <laughs> I I I would I would worry that the Rock and Kevin Hart might actually pull a bit too much focus. But well, that's what you think, mate. But mine lean. You should pick mine, Andy, because mine leans towards the absurd. Um, <clears throat> um, gives the actors the ability to go off the wall. Um, I'm leaning towards the whole. He sings a he sings a song at the end of the first movie and literally touches people to like uh, start to like do all this shit. So that's why I've leant towards that. And I think The Rock and Kevin Hart inject some modernness into um, into my movie and a modern audience who are massive fans of The Rock um, and Kevin Hart as well. Uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. These two guys have written very good pitches. Um, I can't really fault them. Um, 
but you should mainly pick mine because it's better. So yeah. <laughs> oh, we're all basically very civilized. you've got three this, the best are, pictures. Wow. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mine's the best because that's that's what I'm dealing with this week. Love. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Anyone got anything else to to chuck in? I think I've come up with a decision, but if not. In true stepbrother nah. fashion, um, I will just save it all for when they're sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> and <then put> <laughs> over the head. That's exactly right. Um, right, who do we start with? Ross, didn't we? Ross. Um, actually, I'll do it all uh, generalised of all three. I think I'll break easier. I all really like your all your stories. Really good. You've all got very good uh, comedy bits that are very easy to spot. Ross, you've obviously got the... Singing the opera song, if you go down the route that this guy's got like some magical voice and it inspires these workers, I do like that. You've got a great cast, uh, the whole car montage thing, I can see being very funny, one with nature. Um, I don't know, the thing I'm kind of dealing with yours a little bit is this your, I, I do kind of agree, does maybe The Rock and Kevin Hart maybe overshadow the, uh, uh, was it Will Farrell and John C. Riley? Um, do they necessarily need? I like I, I like the idea of the two battling families. Do we really need it to kind of go in nature? Um, but still, really liked it. Um, yeah, Drew again, very funny, very good. Uh, the ninja scene, very. I like the family again. Road trip, I can see being very funny. Um, you brought in Zendaya, I think, which I would have been keen to see more her interact with the other two. Maybe become like a baby sister. Um, I yeah, my the intention was for her to be present throughout. Yeah, but, well, maybe yeah. have a bigger maybe part in the uh, bigger. Oh no, part I, of the story. I, I yeah, I fully admit that it is my failing of of leaving this very bare bones. Um, and also a bit similar to Ross was there. You got the same like same antagonist. Maybe you know you could have had a you could have had anyone, but you chose not bad thing. But you <clears> you could have uh, brought in someone new. Uh, Matt. Like the opening, I like the yours. I like your idea. Obviously, like the Tucker baby angle. Um, uh, I really like the idea that Derek is leaning on these two for for help, um, and I kind of wish you followed through with that like more throughout the whole of the film. Um, it kind of turns into a, a courtroom drama or comedy, which actually would have been also more fun maybe to explore if the whole thing uh, was a courtroom drama. But there we go. My thoughts. Uh, I like them all. Very funny. I'm going to go with the one, the story I like the best, and the one I think will probably take the least to change. Um, and I think that's going to be Ross this week, because um, yeah, he's very funny. I think if we pick one route, we have a competition between the two families, or they become really good friends, and then they go to nature, and then they get lost, and maybe that separates them. Um, I think that's that's... That's my reason for picking Ross today. Matt, I was so close to picking yours. Andrew, like, I both really liked your your premises. But we didn't have Dwayne but, Johnson um, in. That's where we really fucked didn't up. Didn't have Dwayne, unfortunately. <laughs> that is where we <laughs> fucked up tonight, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Every pitch has to have him in it, obviously. Um, it does. So it, it doesn't have to have them too. I like the idea of these of uh, the two battling families. But obviously, The Rock and Kevin Hart are, are very good. A very good pairing like... Wolf Arrow and John C. Riley, they bounce each other off each other very well. Uh, very nice. Yeah, I, I, I obviously I couldn't <clears throat> say it in the argument section, but like, yeah, I was like, there's there's no way Ross hasn't won this one. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Ross, congratulations. Why don't you tell us what we're watching for the next episode? Next time on Sequel Pitch, we are going to be pitching our movie sequels for the 1982 classic E.T. <gasps> but I won't be just on my own as a host. I will be joined by Alex Gilston, writer for Film Focus Online and one of the hosts of the Jump Cast podcast to do your sequels for E.T. Ooh, E.T. Wow. There we go. That's going to be fun. I haven't seen that in years. That'd be, that's going to be a one to talk about. Mm. Well, we fought and we made up and become a family again. Thank you to everyone for listening. <laughs> what was your pitch for Step Brothers 2? Let us know on all the socials. Just search for sequel pitch. Big thanks to our pitchers today. It's goodbye from our winner, Mr. Ross Harmson. Thank you. I'm uh, gonna I'm gonna roundhouse you in the face with a with a stone wall plasterboard, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and goodbye from our runner up Matt Rustin. I have nothing to compete with that. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> and goodbye from our other runner up, Drew Toynbee. It's okay that my Chewbacca mask isn't movie quality. (laughs) I will leave you in one of the most famous quotes George W. Bush ever said. Families (laughs) is where our nation finds hope. Our wings take dream. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.